0: Hey, thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Today Dreamer podcast. Here we work on cultivating the practice of presence through interacting in conversational space so that we may more fully participate in the blossoming of the emergent world story together. Today's guest is Daniele Bolelli. I'll tell you a little bit about him. He is a writer, a martial artist, a university professor, and an amazing podcaster. He was born in Italy and currently lives in LA. And Daniele is a very special human. As Soon as I kind of came in contact with his work, both through his podcast um, and his appearance on other podcasts, I felt instantly uh, called to reach out. And yeah, especially after hearing his the passion or the energetic kind of substance that came through in what he was sharing around taoism and around history so yeah so i just thought you know who better to have a conversation around the practice of presence and see what kind of nuggets of wisdom he would be open or willing to share and i was quite surprised because there were there were quite a few and they were uh, very beautiful and, and i'm still kind of working through a lot of what he's taught me through this conversation so I really, um, putting it out there, this is um, a very special one for me, and I hope you get a lot out of it as well. If you're someone that's interested in working one-on-one with me, and you, you, know, you would like a spiritual friend on a passage of change or transformation in your life, I've put together a bit of a structured plan, um, and I'm taking on interactions with clients moving forward so head over to todaydreamer.com there'll be more information about that if you're at all interested and if you're enjoying the show please uh, let me know in some way whether it's through a comment through a review which would be really nice or um, you know just send me an email i'd love to hear from you here's the chat with danielle and i guess before we begin we better take uh, a quick breath together a quick slow breath we'll take a a breath now in order to pause from whatever's going on in our day Um, so I'm going to invite you to gently close your eyes and as slow as you possibly can take a nice deep inhalation in through the nose pausing at the crescendo noticing any subtleties of your experience before releasing just as gracefully on the way out So let's do that together now. Thank you for your presence. And here's our chat with Danielle. So when I when I first came across your chat with Aubrey Danielli, I noticed this almost like your voice lit up when you were talking about eq And that kind of drew my attention in initially.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was like, well, there's something more here, uh, and I want to look into this a bit deeper. Uh, so yeah, it, I just kind of, I've been slowly absorbing bits of information about EQ's life and um, yeah, like I mentioned, I went through and listened to that, that those couple of episodes that you did on on the history of EQ <laughs> and it's, it was quite fascinating and I've got like, yeah, so many questions around that, but I thought it might be like a, lo- a nice launching pad into our conversation. I just wanted to see what you thought about that and, yeah, how that feels for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's easily one of my favorite historical characters ever, because it's just so fun, you know. So much of the people you run in history sometime, you know, most of the people who make the history books are there for some violent reason or another. There's, uh, most of history is really the history of warfare primarily what makes it in the history books. So to get Somebody who was just uh, just an awesome human being, absolutely hilarious, who had clearly strong stances, but ultimately perfect approach on how to just enjoy life. You know, people around him seemed to more or less unanimously had a great time around him. Uh, he had a great impact culturally. He had a great life. He had great love stories. He's just a phenomenal guy lived uh, primarily, I mean, he lived at the very end of the 1300s he was born and then he lived through good part of the 1400s and um, just such a trippy guy, you know, because uh, he became a Zen monk, not by choice really, it's kind of like where he was dropped by his mom in a monastery when he was little. And then uh, he, precisely because he liked Zen, he was kind of clashing with the Zen establishment because he felt that the Zen establishment had become a bureaucracy by that point. And uh, and, and so EQ was not quite fitting in in that mold. At the same time, he was attracting a whole lot of people who were very intrigued with his brand of Zen and uh, just loved being around him.
0: Yeah, do you find when you do research on these kind of historical figures that there's like a distillation process of, of wisdom uh, you're able to absorb through the lessons of their lives? And have you yeah have you found that to be the case with EQ?
1: Yeah, I think with EQ, is kind of like, he's such a trippy guy and he's just so, uh, like, he really reminds me of some sort of Zen version of Bugs Bunny. You know he's just so he has a trickster energy he has this very fun flamboyant like originally the way i discovered it was through i don't know if you're familiar with the writer tom robbins uh, only because
0: since you've mentioned him yeah
1: he wrote uh, still life with woodpecker he wrote even cowgirl at the blues he wrote a bunch of novels that are absolutely he's one of the best writers i've ever read his style is just fantastic and you know, I love his writing. I've always been intrigued with Zen. So when he was telling me about uh, this Zen monk who's his absolute idol, and I'm like, wait, he's Tom's idol. I've never heard of him. I dig Zen. How is that even possible? And then I started doing more research later. I'm like, oh my God, this is like one of the stories that it looks made up because it looks almost too perfect. It looks like a Tom Robbins character more than a real person. And, um, so it was a very pleasant surprise.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because since I mentioned you, uh, since you mentioned that you like Tom Robbins and I was kind of doing a bit of preparation for this chat, I had a look at an interview that he gave back in, I think, 2012. And he mentioned his life. Mm-hmm. And I could even draw similarities between his own life and EQ's, which was pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, Tom
1: a funny guy because he's such a master of the written word. He's mm. just so good at it. Mm. He doesn't really like doing interviews. Well, now he's also really old. He's like late 80s or something. But mm. like, he doesn't really like doing interviews because uh, he feels that his spoken word doesn't stand up to his written word. Mm. And which, you know, he's still a good speaker. So I don't get it. But in any case, that's his thing. So have you done actually... much
0: writing yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love writing is, uh, you know, I wrote four books. I would like to do a lot more so it's um but yeah tom is an absolute god of the written word
0: do you think the written word does translate into words though into sorry speaking
1: no i mean it's a different gig especially the way tom writes is so flowery and flamboyant like every word is a work of art right
0: yeah you
1: spend some time a day on a sentence kind of thing He just, uh, and so it's not really, it doesn't really lead well to translate it into spoken word because it's so, spoken word is more spontaneous, it's more flowy. You throw some stuff that doesn't quite click but you make it work anyway and you, there's a more of a flow to it and you just incorporate the mistakes along the way. Whereas uh, his thing in the written word is everything perfectly from beginning mm-hmm. to end you know so it's, yeah
0: uh, i'll have to open up one of his books for sure it sounds very intriguing i um i believe that in some way though like just the act of writing depends on what you're writing of course and, and how you're writing it but i think just um the act of writing itself helps me anyways in my experience like develop a way of thinking a different way of thinking or understand maybe the way that i work a little bit on a deeper level um, right yeah and I and I find that fascinating like a fascinating process to kind of explore and even the types of writing seem to kind of shift the way uh, kind of like the angles of the mind I guess
1: mm-hmm. yeah yep. I so.
0: yeah so yeah I read through um, a bunch of Iq's poems and um, they seem like there's there's also a, a beauty within them as well you know and there's almost a real um in some cases like a sense of simplicity i feel um with what he shares a lot to be kind of chewed on
1: yeah and i mean i think like uh, a lot of his thing. one of his big themes is uh, kind of going against that tradition that separated the sacred from the profane the idea yeah. that spirituality is like uh, meditating in clouds of incense in a monastery somewhere. And it's like, yeah, it's that too. But it's also playing with kids. It's also doing, you know, it's also like his idea is that all of day to day life is spiritual. If gone through, like, what does it even mean, spiritual? In the sense, it's, it's kind of like going in with full awareness, going in with a certain degree of presence that gives uh, an extra texture to everything you do say, experience. So that's, like, he's big on, uh, he he goes against a lot the sort of artificial nature of a lot of organized religion and organized spirituality in favor of one that's very playful, in favor of one that's very earthy, that's very tied to the here and now kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's something, that really uh, struck me about what I read as well, this idea of the magic in within the ordinary and mm-hmm. how it's almost like, it doesn't really matter what you do. It's how you approach what you're doing. And, yeah. and it's kind of like, like you mentioned with presence and love and kind of awareness, moving into things or through things seems to be a very, you know, you can have uh, you can do it in two very different ways. And, and the way in which you do it almost like it, it represents something.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it very much does that and uh, and that's definitely one of the things that I appreciate about it because it's uh it keeps it light, it keeps it real, it keeps it more relevant to life rather than being like some weird hobby for this separate dimension from day to day life.
0: yeah, but the strange thing that struck me was in thinking about how. The lessons of EQ can be kind of relevant in today's modern context because, mm-hmm. you know, he did, um, he was in a different time and it was a lot more. Uh, I mean, there's, I, I wouldn't even try to begin to describe it, but it seems very different from today's world. And there seems to be, you know, almost like a calling for, and this is just obviously my perspective, but in a sense, a little bit more restraint in some ways and a little bit more presence in others um, in order to move into things with that conscious kind of uh, in that conscious flow. So, yeah, I was just wondering if you, if you had any thoughts on how maybe um, any other kind of specifics of his life or anything that you might notice that, you know, maybe someone could apply in today's context. It's an interesting thought.
1: Yeah. I think like uh, in some way, I don't necessarily see that's tied to a particular context. You know, I think it's, in a lot of ways, is just an attitude that transcended the specific historical time frame that he lived in. Because uh, so much of the stuff that like, you say, stuff that you could say outside of, you know, Japan in the 1400s, is stuff that would apply to, to just life, you know? yeah, and, uh, He's touching on certain principles that are, eternal to some degree that are am not um, so specifically bound to a time and a place.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. I was just kind of thinking in the way how some things might be maybe misunderstood in today's world. Maybe even they were back then, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like yeah. this idea of, um, you know, go sleeping in brothels and and drinking in wine stores. And, you know, just what came to mind was maybe that, I don't know like might grant people permission to do that in a way that wasn't so conscious and um in the way that maybe EQ did you know what I mean um
1: for sure sure. and in fact that's what's funny that so many people who can uh, parallel some of the same kind of lines they often do it in a very self-serving way that somehow leads to them getting what they want and screwing a bunch of other people over Whereas uh, that's pretty much never what you get with EQ. Like you never hear stories about him being this like semi cult leader or somebody who's just doing. It. So I think that's uh, and I think that's also a big truth right there. That what you do, save for some extreme cases where the content of what you do determine the quality of it all, but what you do is almost secondary like it's so much more important uh, uh, how you do it, like who the person is behind it, the attitude that they bring to it, the energy they bring to it, which is also the same reason why you could get two different people tell you the exact same thing and you'll agree with one and disagree with the other. Not because the message is any different, but because everything that's behind every one of those words is different you know, mm. because there's a lived experience that then translate to something else. The words may sound the same, but the essence behind them is not. The attitude, the where they are leading, it's not. And I think that's uh, that's extremely true. You know, I've had plenty of times when I see people who theoretically I should get along with perfectly because we check all the same boxes of the stuff we like and I'm like, nope, not clicking and then there are people that you shouldn't get along with theoretically that is like perfect click <laughs> and, uh, all that other stuff is secondary it's not that big of a deal
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense have you are there any i'm just trying to think like these are kind of interesting um places to dance around i'm not sure if there's anything practical people can take away from that though because it's like you know it's cultivating the way in which you go about things is like that can there's so many influences in that in that uh recipe you know mm-hmm. um but it's it's an interesting thing at least to kind of bring to mind and, and sit with i feel
1: i think like so many people are attached to ideas uh, overly attached to ideas in some cases where it's about uh, you know what political stance are you taking which religion box are you from belong to, which, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, that's like the least interesting thing about anybody. You know, it's like that doesn't necessarily tell me a whole lot, unless this person is almost willingly embodying the stereotype of what it means to be that one thing. Most of the time, the opinions are surface level, you know, they are, which is why also social media discussions are terrible, because most of the time they are purely about opinions there's none of the other communication that's going on. There's none of the body language. There's no tone, there's no energy. There's less of the humor doesn't translate as well. You know, when you communicate, you're passing way more than just concepts. Uh, The words are almost an excuse to have an exchange of energy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel that um, for overly focusing on concepts, is um, sometimes leads us to unhealthy places.
0: How do you think that exchange of energy takes place when you're looking up a historical kind of figure or you're doing research on someone? Can you still feel that vibe?
1: Well, I mean, it's different because you're going inevitably, you're going uh, through a book, you're going through written words, you're going through things that are not gonna, you know, who knows what you're getting there? Are you getting the actual person? Are you getting your own imagination, or that's stirred by the? No, I'm talking more about impersonal communication. I'm talking more about you know people that you can uh, people that you can interact with.
0: Mm. I'm just finding it. What come, what's coming up for me is this idea of like just thinking about uh, that what's formed from the vibe of that historical figure, no matter how dry it might be from the book. It's yeah. almost like there's something that's formed within you through that relationship. And sure. then even when you're talking with people, I'm sure that happens as well. Like you're developing something within you through that relating process and you're yeah. able to kind of, yeah, like, yeah, it's an interesting kind of thing. <laughs> something you haven't really thought about before.
1: For sure, for sure. And I think that's what's, uh, that's an important one. I think we often forget that sides and we are, I mean, it's the same thing why people are like, you know, if you meet somebody for the first time and you immediately go yes or no, and somebody would be like, oh, that's so judgmental or is so preconceived. How can you say you haven't really got to know the person? They're like, yeah get to know is only going to inform me of why i feel that way to begin with you know what i mean it's always going to be give me the actual reasons why but the conclusion we already got it before we start (laughs) there's something that you feel that tells you already if you have decent intuition some people have crap intuition and so they don't have that voice there so that's a different story
0: it's interesting yeah that that It's kind of like that happens in many ways, I feel, like the body tells us information before it can kind of register and and click in the mind. And it's like, sometimes we're not as in tune to be able to listen to that information or to hear it even, you know, there's too much other noise going on.
1: Which is kind of pathetic when you think about it, because think, you know... uh a chihuahua with a brain about the size of a peanut can smell somebody and within 10 seconds decide whether they want to growl at them or just hop on them and be all happy. Mm. So clearly we're not talking some magical ability there. We're talking about something that anybody whose consciousness is not so squashed by rational thoughts can tap into it. It's not, you know, strange psychic. It's just Come on, it's there. How do you, uh, it's in the question is not how does one person sees it, is how do you not see it is right there. It's yeah. right in front of you. And so I think it's sometimes we just spend uh, as, as, to, as valid as rationality is as a tool and as important as a reason is, I think sometimes we overdo it and we forget that just one modality, but there are others that are just as valuable.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting making choices from that different place it's something that i've kind of explored quite a bit this idea of um but it's it's not really it doesn't it feels like uh in the initial stages of moving into or practicing doing that it's quite difficult oh yeah it's a big jump yeah.
1: even because you know again if you're not maybe you're projecting too much maybe it's your own whatever else you know maybe and that's why it's a process kind of to learn how to develop a decent intuition where when you hear that message loud and clear, you can say, no, nope, this is, pretty sometimes you don't feel anything and that's fine. And so then overdoing it and try to see it where you don't is, uh, would be a mistake because it's not coming through clear. Yeah. But in some It does come through clear and they're like, okay that's you know why would i ignore it it's a pretty loud statement that i'm hearing here in my consciousness so why not mm-hmm. why not honor it
0: mm. yeah for sure do you do you get define you, you have that feeling in the middle of like a, a martial arts um competition or a, a some kind of sparring
1: no, I think it's just uh, I mean, that's probably the least likely scenario because you are so wrapped up into action, into events, into things happening at tremendous speed with adrenaline pumping where that's probably you are a little less in tune with that kind of stuff. But like just in day to day life, you know, you walk into a room and you meet a few people and you, well, 10 seconds have gone by and you're like, I want to talk to this person and I don't want to talk to this too. You know
0: that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So it's it's probably the the polar opposite than the the martial arts example.
1: Yeah, I think it's easier to to have in day to day life. you know I mean, when is that usually? Intuition is dependent on your ability to perceive stuff. When is that you perceive stuff the best is when you're relaxed. So Mm. in situation where you are more at peace, you are receptive to whatever you're not, because otherwise half of the time you're projecting your own, if there's an emotion that's driving you tremendously, you probably don't see crap of what's around you because you are so driven by this internal force that you don't see reality for what it is.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah.
1: Which is why, for example, people usually have, even people who have pretty decent intuition, their intuition goes to crap when they need something real bad when they want something real bad in a context, because suddenly now they are not looking through the lenses of just whatever comes to you, but you're looking through the lenses of your needs and wants that are completely messing up whatever read you have on the situation.
0: Yeah. That's, that kind of flows back into EQ's, EQ's life in a sense as well. This idea of allowing nature to unfold as it may, I'm not really sure the, the exact quotes he gave, but it's, that's the, what I took out of it. This idea of kind of, and that also flows into, into, into Tao and Taoism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was kind of another drawing why I wanted to have this chat. I wanted to go a bit deeper into that space with you and see what came up. I've been fascinated by um, the yin yang symbol. And I've seen that across your kind of, I think, you saw you wearing a t-shirt of it. It seems to be quite a big kind of connection there within your life and, lessons and experiences through that and I was wondering maybe we could kind of shift into gears a little bit and 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 change direction what do you think
1: yeah I mean to me that's that particular symbol which is at the core of Taoist thinking and philosophy it's really something that's more than just a Taoist thing that to me is sort of the essence of life there's so much there it explains so much of the way the world works and the interesting thing is that, unlike other things that may be more conceptual, yin-yang is, you may have never heard of Taoism. You may have never seen the yin-yang symbol, and you may still have a perfect understanding of what you are talking about just because you have paid attention to the rest of life. So it's, uh, it's something that, to me, like that idea that there's, everything is made of a duality. But unlike the Western sense of duality, that tends to be very judgmental, where there's like good and evil, god and the devil, heaven and hell, that kind of stuff, yin-yang is like it's an army. It's, uh, it's like hot and cold. Is one good and one bad? Well, in excess, both of them are bad. And in the right mix, both of them are good. It's more a matter of balance than it is of, uh, and the balance is of course, constantly shifting that makes it hard, it's not a 50-50 thing. But like, it's an idea of um, anything. You wanna figure out what's the sweet spot. It's not about taking a dogmatic stance about, you know, When you raise kids, you always have to be about structure and discipline and rules, or no, when you raise kids, you should throw out the window disciplinary rules and be more spontaneous and free flowy. I mean, if you take either one of those positions, you're going to be right once in a while and you're going to be wrong a lot what is the quote-unquote correct one is like, well, first it changes every day, so there is no consistent correct. But the correct one is the right balance according to that specific situation. And so figuring out in this yin-yang of opposite energy which one is the is the the delicate balance that works great to deliver results in this situation. And they may have changed tomorrow. So you need to rediscover it by retweaking it a little. Yeah, that's the part that kind of, uh,
0: that's the part that catches me. That's very fascinating. This idea of the retweaking, this uh, idea of the um, constantly kind of uh, readjusting. um, It's something that's like fascinating because I used to have this idea that you have everything in balance and once you get it in balance, you're good. It's like you're working towards a single point. But, you know, just as kind of this idea of impermanence, everything's constantly shifting and changing and every moment's different. So this tweaking also needs to do the same um, because otherwise you... And I feel like sometimes it's okay to be a little bit more on one side than the other. You know, just got to bring it back sooner or later, you know? 99
1: and 1 sometimes. And it's not off balance because that situation calls for it.
0: You ah, know. that's interesting. That's fascinating. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: moment in maybe 70-30 the other way, and the next one is 50-50, and the next one, think of it to me is like, think of it as surfing, mm. right? Nobody teach you how to surf, saying you're going to have to be perfectly in the middle of the board and you stay that way throughout the wave and when the wave ends. You're going to adapt constantly, right? In some mm. cases, the wave is pulling so much one way that unless you throw your body way to one side, seemingly off balance if you were in but the way but you're balancing the energy of the wave yeah pulling so much to the left that you need to lean right in order to stay on
0: probably how the intuition probably comes into that part and and moving into it's actually like you know once you get that click or that little moment of harmony you need i think moving into it's another thing going to the top of the surfboard's another thing it's not just knowing that you need to Yeah,
1: 100%. Right. And so I think that's where it's uh, it's a skill. It's an art because it's uh, constantly shifting. So, yeah, you got balance. Great. Now, in two seconds, the balance is going to have to be different because the waves is going to have moved in a different way. You're going to have to adapt to that movement and figure out what's the new balance. Mm. And, uh, And I think that's the gig, right? It's like balances from uh, 99 and one to one side, 99 and one to the other, and everything in between. And what's the right, the correct proportion, whichever one the situation calls for that keeps you stable and working okay. Mm. And of course, that's a hard one for people who crave certainty because... He's telling you, sorry to inform you, but you need to figure it out every moment. There is no dogma that you can fall back on. There is no uh, simple answer that works in all contexts and all situations. It's going to be different every time.
0: It seems a bit like we kind of get used to... I'm not sure about craving certainty, but there's almost like we get used to it. And that's where maybe a craving might arise from. And and there's like this automatic process it's like it's almost this is how it seems to me like we're built this way in a sense we're built to get used to things or or you know I'm not sure if it's as far as you know how deep that goes but there's a sense that um you know we don't even like I can't even feel like my ass sitting on this chair right now because I'm just used to the that that that, that's going on so it's like all through our system and it's almost like um it's it doesn't seem it seems like a difficult thing to kind of move out of just in the same way that making the decision from the heart is Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know it there's like this uh push that needs to take place i think i feel at, at some point or another to break out of that that kind of automation
1: right yeah it's um it, that's that's what I mean It's like it's something that's um, I think it's frustrating to people who crave to sort of an oversimplification of reality because it's not something that you can catch once and for all and once you caught it you are there. It's like congratulations you achieved <laughs> right now and five minutes from now you're gonna have to figure it out again. And uh, so it really is like uh, it's more of an art than than a science in that sense. Because yeah. there is no follow these 12 easy steps and you get there. It's like, yeah, that's the, that's the version for kids who can hang, so to speak, You know, where somebody who doesn't have it, yeah, you give them some basic rules who, to avoid making humongous mistakes. But at the end of the day, the rules are not going to bring you to balance. The rules can just prevent you from being horrendously off-balance and only being mildly off-balance. But to actually get it, that's entirely beyond what can be broken down so simply.
0: I find the balance showing up in my life around action. And I see I see it within others in different ways. I've noticed there's like either, this comes comes up quite a bit. There's either this like a lot of full-on energy moving into, you could even call it like a, a yang, and this sense of like... Um, a burnout happening or um, going really deep in one direction, uh, maybe a little bit unconsciously. I'll well, not to say that's a bad thing, but just like um, that that kind of arises in that, in that circumstance. And then on the other side is kind of more kind of the way I say this is kind of like the way that fits best with my life is this sense of, uh, you know, Creativity and, and intuition and feeling into things and things unfolding, but the push isn't there as much. And it's like um, bringing in a sense of discipline or at least meaningful work in that scenario, I think can help. Whereas in the other one, maybe inaction or just slowing down a bit to reflect a little bit more and 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 just kind of um, being that being more in that kind of allowing state. Um, it's interesting how that comes shows up through work. Do you have any experience of that within your own life?
1: in which way like i'm sorry maybe i did not understand.
0: well i'm sure it, it it show it shows it's it's showed up a lot in your own life but do you find that you've been more one way than the other and and obviously you know like we said this is a continuous thing but has it yeah. has it kind of you know has there been moments where, where where you've really felt like um you know this is a strange thing to put into words but um, just the way in which you were brought up, or the way in which you've lived your life up until that point, has been more one way than the other.
1: I think there are there are a few things that um, depending, you know, we all have a certain temperament, like temperament that leads more one way or another, right? So maybe there are things in life that you do to balance it out. Maybe you are really kind of nerdy, really sensitive, very in your own head, very imaginative, but also you may be not exactly the most assertive, a little more divorced from physical reality and so on. So it may actually be a good thing, if that's your build-up, to do some of the opposite to learn things that help you develop more assertiveness, being grounded in physical reality, being more physically, being all that, right? Without going against your nature, but just to kind of allow you to to not make your nature a cage, but make it something that, so I think we all do, right? We all have little things that we lean heavily one way or another by just uh, both circumstances and our own personality. But sometimes just doing more of the same is not helpful. You know, if you are already leaning that way, suddenly all your interests, all your hobbies, all your things also go that way. Well, you're becoming more of what you already are, which there's something to that, but you're not really giving yourself a chance to develop in a somewhat more balanced way. So you have you know, the nerdy kid who's an absolute genius when they sit down with the books, but doesn't know how to have a conversation with other kids their age and is completely lost in more regular day-to-day interactions. You know, there's a talent there, but it's a talent that comes at the price of some heavy imbalance in terms of day-to-day life. So I think it's like there's something there to be said about figuring out who you are, what are some of your characteristics, what can you do to tweak them a little bit in a way that may allow you to thrive in more contexts than just one.
0: Yeah. That's something I've been kind of exploring recently. It's this idea of like, like I see it as like leaning into your strengths. Yeah. And then there's like an acceleration that takes place. But if you, if you try to work on your weaknesses, you, you get a bit more in balance, but it's, it's a slower process and it's not, you know, sure. yeah.
1: And ultimately you got to do both, right? Because you got to do the things that are part of your nature and that make you feel good and they come easy and you have a natural talent for. And there's its own set of rewards that come with it. And you should do some of the other side of the stuff that's not as easy, but it ultimately is making you grow as a human being how much of each, you figure it out. And in different times of your life will be different. Sometimes you just need an ego boost. So you do the stuff you're good at and it feels good and it, it, it helps. Other times it's like, okay, I feel like I'm in a stable place. It's a place for growth. I want to expand mm. a little bit. I want to, and I think that's part of, uh, there is no good or bad answer there. It mm. really depends on what's working for you at the moment.
0: I think it's worth considering like we said earlier though the way in which we go about that process so it's like you know yeah. with a, with a sense of kindness to yourself or you're going to beat yourself up every time you go out of balance or right. you know right. um are you going to go about it in a way that's super structured because that's the way you work or are you going to go more intuitively yep. yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm just kind of <laughs> trying to feel into where the best place to kind of move into would be sure. from, from here. Um, yeah. I just, this is, this is an interesting thing. I'm, I'm kind of more curious about, about you, Daniele and and kind of a bit more about, about your life and how these, some, some of these lessons have influenced you. I know you mentioned uh, in kind of reading Tom's Tom Robbins work that you found a depth in, you know, uh, that depth and happiness can play together in one's life and that's had some kind of an impact on you. I was curious to know in what way, but also just, yeah, if you wanted to share a bit more about yourself and, and maybe how, you know, how these kind of philosophies and how these kind of moving in and out of history books and um, you know, your relationship with some of these lessons has turned out. I know it's kind of an open-ended question, but I just want to see what comes up for you.
1: Well, I guess on the Tom Robinson end, it's very, it's almost a stereotype, the whole thing about the tortured artist, you know, somebody who's very sensitive, which usually translates into artistic abilities, because you can tap into things that normal people cannot, and whether you put them into music or painting or writing, or it's almost secondary, right? But it's like their ability to tap into a certain sensitivity. That usually comes at a price, hence uh, rock stars who die by the time they are 30, hence, you know, all the 10,000 stories of people who create beautiful things and are suffering a whole lot. Right. And I think there's a truth to that, because, of course, if you have an extraordinary sensitivity may not be easy to fit into an ordinary reality. But also it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and a trap because essentially the message they were giving is if you are sensitive, you are always bound to feel at odds with uh, regular people, quote unquote, with regular reality, with all of that. You shine in this special dimension out there. And I think it's important instead to learn how to harness sensitivity in a way that is actually a gift and not of a course. And not just a gift artistically, but a gift in your day-to-day life. A gift because it allows you to relate to people better. It allows you to understand different modes of being. It allows you, not because you feel so different that you don't know how, if anything, precisely because you have a very developed sensitivity. That means you can you can tweak yourself to fit in any context. So rather than being the artsy, smart, sensitive kid who cannot fit with the jokes, you have this ability. Because you are sensitive, you can understand every level of the game. You can understand. So you can speak this language, and you can also speak this. For people who are stuck with one language only, with just one particular energy, you can go there and communicate there. But then because you are sensitive and you have learned other ways of being, you can also communicate on another level and another and another. So if anything, sensitivity becomes something that makes you more comfortable in dealing with daily life rather than something that messes you up. Now that's easier said than done because when you first, you know, for many people, sensitivity is not a choice. It's how they are. It's kind of how they were born. It's how they, and so you find yourself that you communicate with other people like, hey, you understand me when I feel these things, right? And they're like, uh, no. And you're like, why am I so weird? Why am I feeling different from everybody else? Why are my highs so highs and my lows so lows? Why, in other words, it's like, what the hell is wrong with you that you're so different from other people, right? That's kind of the initial stage. But I think is with proper guidance and with proper exploration, there is a very good chance to actually use this sensitivity to become a tool that allow you to, OK, if I can feel more, that means I can understand more. That thing I, I can relate to more things. That means that eventually I learn how to shift uh, clothing so that I can put this clothing, this clothing on to go hang out with the people who only have this type of style, but also I can go to a different place and it becomes a choice rather than uh, you're stuck with it.
0: Do you think there's like a residue that comes from the clothing though?
1: Um, I mean, it's part of you, right? Because otherwise you couldn't play that game. If you can communicate in that language, if you can be at that level, of course it's part of who you are, Mm. but it's part of who you are. You know what I mean? You can also leave it there and there's so much more to you Mm. out there. That you can shift at, on all these levels.
0: You have. Uh, <laughs> I'm just curious. Are there any process, any other processes that you might go through to explore the different parts of yourself?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are. Like for me, doing something like martial arts was a very interesting venue because it's not the stuff that I'm. I'm naturally drawn as a fascination. But it's not a, you know, in martial arts, nobody cares if you're smart or not. Nobody cares how many books you read or what. To, it's like, can you perform in this purely very physical athletic context when it matters? That's it. None of the other stuff counts. No, but way, I'm smart. It's like, who cares? That's not what it's about. Can you step up or not? And so, if you are able to do that and then you are smart, Well, now you got two things going, right? Mm. Before you only had one, or the people who can only step up and perform on a physical great level, then they have one. But like, okay, now you got two languages. Now you may be able to develop another one. And so that to me is like, really, those are energies, those are languages that life speaks. And the more you know, the more you are able to relate to very different people, to experience very different things. And I find that extremely helpful. Like if you are an intellectual, and you only speak to intellectuals, I think you got a problem. If you are a farm worker, and all you do is speak to other farm workers is a problem. If you are, you know, anything, if it becomes kind of its own little ghetto, becomes very limited. You know, it's like to me, you should be able to, you're going to tweak your communication style, but ultimately you should be able to talk about anything with anybody because it's just what we are talking about is life. You know, it's something that like, it's about passion. It's about energy. It's about life. And so that should be something that is not just life for martial artists or life for intellectuals or life for athletes or life for scholars or like... Those are just venues to touch different aspects of life. But the interesting thing is there is not the venue, it's life.
0: Yeah. It seems like uh, what you're doing in that process is you're, you're kind of melting away these kind of, um, this illusion of separation. You're coming back into a sense of commonality with this shared kind of existence. And it's very interesting as well, this idea of, I love it as well, this, this thought of just, you know, Tasting all the colors of the spectrum in your life and, and, and being open to do that and, and, and having that as like, you know, finding the beauty in every, every different shade of that spectrum.
1: Right, right. Mm. Absolutely. And I think that's uh, life shines brighter when you can reach it. With uh, That's kind of, I like the both Kali and Shiva iconography where they have many arms. Right, And it's like, to me, this idea of having many arms is because you can touch many, many aspects of life. And and I like it a a lot better than what you typically see where maybe you meet somebody for that one thing. You know, maybe they are into yoga and you're like, oh, yoga is cool. That's great. And we have that in common. And then you start looking up their stuff and everything in their life is centered around yoga. And you're Mm. like, Jesus, man, yoga is cool god damn there's a few other things out there that are fun too why stick to that one thing and one thing only and you're wrapped up your whole existence around that one thing
0: yeah yeah
1: and and, you know this is something you like but you're like there's more to life that's
0: yeah uh, yeah i've i've just it's interesting because i've noticed the opposite side of the spectrum as well and this sense of like maybe not being able to commit to anything for a long period of time and just kind of trying everything, but almost feeling I've met people that have, have had like an internal, um, you know, people that I've actually um, kind of worked with through this as well. This, this internal idea of, um, you know, I've just tried all these different things and I can't stick to one and I can't, I can't really find my thing, this idea of, you know, that's a conceptual thing though, but this idea of like, I can't find the one thing that I want. Uh, but there is the opposite side of the spectrum where you just can't actually stay in something because you float around so much you know um, but yeah it is interesting when your life becomes centered around one thing and it's almost like that's how you how you find your sense of identity and you kind of anchor in that space um but it's a lot more fun to to explore and um, yeah find that balance within that kind of Yeah, I mean,
1: you cannot just do 10,000 things. You don't have the time, the energy, you know, things to get good at anything. It takes time and energy. Exactly. You cannot. So, but at the same time, why should it be one? You know, do, make it three things that you are really into it and make it five or six more that you are conversational in, that you are good at, that you are not great, but you're okay, you know. You 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 manage. You got the basics down. You are you are in. The, you know, it's like to me that's like, an exact balance. Is varies from person to person. But one, it's monomaniacal and overspecialized. Ten thousand is dispersive, and you don't go deep into anything. Mm. There's a sweet spot there somewhere where probably two, three, four, five, whatever activities that you can handle at a high level, where you have a I you allowed yourself to become good at and explore to a certain level of depth and you have a few more to a lesser level of depth, but I do feel that, I mean, yeah, you're right. Both that's kind of the yin yang right there, right? Both are important. It's important to touch multiple things and it's also important to go deep enough into some stuff. Mm. And, there's a tension there where, again, if you go completely one way or completely another, you're missing the point. Yeah, and, uh, and you find that balance that works, the one that's like, no, I can still be actually really dedicated and good and have gone deep into three things, and I, which is a lot better than one, and I have five more that I'm all right with, I can play with. If I had the time, I could actually go really deep in. But I have a certain degree of that. I have... A, initial start to the field school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to someone that couldn't find anything?
1: Well, I mean, that's the thing. Don't look for one thing. Look mm. for, start by looking for three. <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? It's like, I feel like it's not even
0: a looking though. Like there doesn't even need to be a looking. It's like an, ex, it's an open, continuous exploration. And
1: I think the thing is, if you have all the time in the world and you have the money is not a factor, how do you want to fill your days? You know, what would make you happy? What are things that may, and I'm sure some things make you happier than others. So what are the things that, do you see any pattern in the things that make you happier? Is there something that delivers you being in a certain state more than, than other things? Or, I mean, I kind of have a hard time some, picturing somebody for whom everything is the same. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, I'll train martial arts or I'll go into a sauna or I'll go rock climbing or I'll go hiking or I'll go to the beach or I just want to cook or tend to my garden. And they all feel exactly the same. Neither great, neither terrible, kind of blah. I would imagine that there are differences there, right? So well, that's stuff. interesting, yeah. You know, how
0: do they feel? What, how do they feel, and how intense does that, that feeling feel? And, yeah. and how do you kind of you know, see what we're talking about now is, is kind of it's even what you were saying before about um energy. You know, right, right now, this is just like a transmission of energy, and the words are just kind of the bridge, and it's a sense of this is kind of a, a different type of energy as well. Where does the energy? How does that energy feel like? Where does it sit? And, and, um, what, what, how does it contrast with other energies in your life in different areas? I like to think of it as like vibes. It's just kind of like the way my brain kind of thinks of it. Um, you know, what is the vibe of this moment? Even what you were saying about when you walk in the room and you, okay, what's the vibe of this per- person that that my body's reading into before they even open their mouth. Yep. And does that vibe kind of, resonate or harmonize with mine or is that is that vibe you know obviously just going to make noise instead of music
1: exactly it
0: yeah yeah what do you think about vibrations (laughs) and and what comes to mind when i say that word is it like um you know the silliness of of the new new age perspective of it or is it like um you know how everything's vibration or like does anything come to mind because i've just been asking all my guests because i want to be put i want to put together a book on the on the different perspectives in on vibes um it's energy yeah
1: so energy, whether metaphorically or literally vibrates mm. and there's something there that you can pick up Again, outside of the rational mind, that is your gut, that is your intuition, that is your something um, that you perceive in multiple ways. And I think sometimes exactly words are really an excuse to be able to sit there and pass energy. You know? mm. There are people that I would gladly listen to what they have to say. If they read the phone book, I would gladly listen to it. Because I don't care about the content. The content is completely secondary. The fact that they may be brilliant or smart, it's, it's an added bonus. It's the cherry on the cake kind of thing. It's not it. The it thing is their energy. It's like, it makes me feel good to be around them kind of thing. And uh, and you express it in 10,000 different ways. You express it through words. You express it through smiles. You express it through touch. You express it through nothing, appearance, just sitting close to them. Um, There's And to me, that's not any real than this table or something very extremely tangible. It's like, it's like I'll walk into a room with somebody that I like, they haven't said one word. And I'm thinking, whoa, what the hell is up today? What happened? Why are you in such a bad mood? Their face looks normal. There's nothing to it, but Jesus Christ, you walk into this energy that you're like, whoa, this doesn't feel right. And sometimes in many cases, they're like, no, there's nothing wrong. And you're like, okay, you know? <laughs> and then you go on and like two hours later, it's like, oh, there's this thing that has been pissing me off. Or like, okay, so now we got to the point, you know? But like, the, I don't know what the thing is, but I can feel that there's something, you know what I mean? And to me, it's like, it's always there. It's always around you. It's always... Uh, and I think that's actually kind of a fun game to be able to sometime when try to read where somebody else is at, what they are feeling, what they are experiencing that moment. What does looking at their face, what do you read in that face? Do you read is somebody who's excited? Is somebody who's thinking about something else? Is somebody who's kind of like, their energy is drained because they are tired? Is this? What do you read beside the obvious? You know, if somebody's scowling at you like, "Mm," it's like, okay, they are mad. I got it. That's pretty easy. Or is somebody, but like if it's a little more subtle, what do you read when it's just not screaming the message in your face? And I think, uh, I think we all feel it, but we are largely taught to ignore it and not to take it into proper account because it's not perfectly rational, but it's like, who cares if it's rational or not? You know, it's Mm. uh, just as real, you know, you, that person asks you for straight direction and you give them straight direction because it's like perfectly, there's no issue there that other person asks you for straight direction, and you're thinking they are going to rob me in about six seconds. And it's, <laughs> it's the same words are said. There's nothing wrong with asking for six direction, but like the there's something that you pick up from that interaction and that intuition can make a humongous difference in your life. I mean, think about how many people will run into Somebody and they're like, "Oh, we're just talking," and suddenly they flip and they became desirable mean person. It's like, no, they were desirable mean person all along. You just weren't able to see it. And I'm not saying it's easy. You know, sometimes you can't. Sometimes because maybe you are off balance, maybe they mask it well, maybe who the hell knows? You know, you're not gonna read it every single time. But the point is, those things are around us all the time. Uh, developing that skill to pick up on it. Can help dramatically. Having any illusion that you're gonna get it right a hundred percent of the time? No good luck with that. Mm. But at the same time, doesn't mean that it's completely coincidental either. It's a skill like anything else.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It just—it's funny that every time you mention examples, I always go to the direct opposite. I was thinking because maybe because we're on the topic of yin and yang and everything, and it's just happening naturally. But I was thinking of like the the glow of a pregnant mother or something. Mm -hmm. Or like, um, you know, when someone walks in the room and they're almost like, you know, floating off the ground (laughs) and that that feeling it's, yeah, it's quite an interesting thing. And I've just kind of, it's interesting about the contagiousness of that energy, how, how much that um, affects you and how much your energy kind of radiates out and, and kind of goes into the beings of other people around you and the repercussions of that as well.
1: I mean, there are, I was reading once something that there's an experiment, they did this thing in a few places where they would give students an evaluation of their teachers within the first five minutes of the semester and at the end of the semester. And most of the time they were identical. Like, Uh whoever you like within five minutes or the people that you wrote glowingly about after a whole semester of knowing them, and whoever you didn't click with right away you hated their guts by the end of the semester and so that tells you right there that content has little to do with it it's not the first five minutes that you really understand what somebody's about on a rational level it's like you picked up maybe a passion and enthusiasm and energy as something that this other person is severely lacking or they bring a completely different thing to the table and you respond to it like i've had plenty of situation where I feel that I can like the times when it has worked out well for me I've like I've taught courses where within uh, I walk in and there's a question mark and three minutes later before I started lecture I feel like the whole energy of the room has changed and now like 80 percent of the students are already on board and we are good to go and it's like not because I said anything brilliant. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. uh, I just try to communicate in some way a certain passion and enthusiasm for being there and putting an energy that's very welcoming to them. Mm. Uh, and, um, and people usually respond to it, and it works that way.
0: Just keep thinking about this this passage into, okay, you feel this way around someone or you feel this way in this situation, yeah. and then the movement it and and just almost like the the cleaning up of that passageway, the making that kind of uh, a, a habit in a sense. Um, because I felt like many situations where, like I've been overseas and something shady is happening, and like I can stay in that situation because I'm too scared to move, or I'm too thinking about it too much, or too hesitant, or I could just move and um, you know. To kind of extract mm-hmm. myself from that situation or that person that didn't feel quite right. And mm-hmm. um, you know, that happens in life as well. Like um, this idea of uh, how you kind of become the people that you surround yourself with, or you, you know, that gets kind of, you, you know, those students, the more they hung around you, the more they would like obviously um, tune into that vibe and that would have an effect on the trajectory of their lives in some small way. So yep. it's this sense of like moving um, or cleaning the passage for movement and maybe in small ways practicing that I like.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's a good goal for all of life, right? Yeah.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: I think like uh, to bring that into like all of these things at the end of the day, like, and this applies to these specifically and on a grander level to like, every single thing we talk about. If it doesn't improve the quality of our lives, why are we talking about it kind of thing? So to me, it's like even something like this, it's like, who cares? It's not to be able to flex your muscles and go like, oh, it's because I can uh, read somebody's energy or I can do this and that. It's like, who cares? It's like, does at the end of the day improve the quality of your life, yes or no? is uh, yes, because I can see better who I can click with and who I should stay with, great, good. Or no, because like to me, any skill, any ability, any talent, any anything is only interesting in the measure that it changes day-to-day life in a positive manner. Otherwise is its own weird masturbatory game that kind of is like, okay, I mean, sure, I guess. It's a party trick, you know, it's not a, Um, so same goes with ideas i'm only interested in ideas if they can uh, improve life (laughs) otherwise who cares why are we talking about it you know
0: exactly yeah yeah i think i think it's kind of useful to to bring things up that we've noticed you know within our own lives and these patterns that have helped improve ours because i think maybe people can take them on board but i also believe there is a level of almost like see what works for you in your own way and and see what, how that exploration feels like instead of like writing down everything we're speaking about. But there is a sense of like sharing these things with one another. And then, you know, maybe someone coming across it at a certain moment in their life that it might become useful. Cause I know that, that that's happened to me both within, you know, lessons I've come across and lessons maybe I've heard somewhere, who knows where. And then in the moment, it just, they feel right to kind of move into.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I um I had this I was kind of thinking about this chat last night as I mentioned, and I had this um this Zen words of wisdom book on my shelf that just kind of drew my attention. So I opened it up on a random page, and I wanted to read you what it said because it feel like it's actually quite relevant, and I felt like it might have been. Um, so it's a Chinese Zen Buddhist poet. Named Pang Yun. Have you heard of Pang Yun at all? No. I. Um, so 740 to 808 is what it says there. Sorry. When the mind is at peace, the world too is at peace. Nothing real, nothing absent. Not holding on to reality, not getting stuck in the void. You are neither holy nor wise, just an ordinary fellow who has completed his work so i felt that was kind of an interesting thing neither holy nor wise just an ordinary fellow who has completed his work felt like there's quite a bit there to chew on for me anyways
1: <laughs> what does it say to you
0: hmm. so when the mind is at peace the world too is at peace there's this sense that what's happening internally is kind of uh, reflected on your external world. So this, you know, if you're good um, and you're at peace, then everything is at peace in a sense. I felt that in certain moments of my life where everything just feels like it's maybe directly in the middle of the yin and the yang in some way, you know? Um, yeah. Are you feeling... Like just like that,
1: like that sometimes they speak to you right away. Mm. Sometimes they speak to you after sometimes even years. Yeah. Sometimes they just never speak to you. Like here is like I can sense sort of the Zenda, the uh, opposite, paradoxical nature of the language. Some, You know, it's checking all the boxes. But like on first read, something is not clicking for me. Like I'm not getting a full read on it.
0: Yeah. I Again,
1: mean, there are some of the things that sometimes they click a lot later. Sometimes they're like just
0: it. so beautiful, and even though they don't click, you sit with it because yeah. of the beauty, in a sense. I
1: agree. I agree. I yeah.
0: Agree. Yeah. So nothing real, nothing absent, not holding on to reality, not getting stuck in the void. That's interesting. Not not holding on to reality and not getting stuck in the void. So that's almost like a yin and the yang thing as well to me. I think
1: it is. I just don't fully grasp it. There's clearly a yin-yang dimension to it, but I'm not quite like not holding on to reality, not getting stuck in the void. I'm not quite sure.
0: Yeah, not holding on to reality is a tricky one. Yeah, um, it, yeah. and not getting stuck in the void. I think I don't know what comes to mind. Might not be what he meant at all, but it's this sense of, right.
1: Right. you know,
0: this sense of being stuck in a, uh, almost like a, um, in a like an ecstatic state, mm-hmm. rather than a grounded one, and and the right. maybe the balance between those two, maybe, yeah. And okay. you're you were neither holy nor wise, just an ordinary fellow who has completed his work. Mm-hmm. Is that something to do with the ego?
1: I mean, the it could be it could be many things, right? It could be just talking about the um, sort of the EQ direction of like even this concept of wise, holy, shut the fuck up. You are who you are. You know, you are. It, it, oh, those are like separation from just being a complete human beings. That's more could be that is that's what is. Touching on yeah and a You're lot of
0: identifying as holy or wise yeah
1: yeah those are abstractions they are not uh, what's real is you between sky and earth you know you what's real is you in uh, and in that, that sense the other stuff being a bit of an abstraction so um, could be could be that that's where it's going with it not entirely clear but it's a possibility
0: yeah yeah just thought I'd share that with you I don't know if I kind of felt right
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes. And again, some of this stuff, click, some don't, some click later. That, that happens a lot with Taoist and Zen thing because they don't explain stuff. It's not based on like they are going to break it down in neat explanation. So a lot of it is click doesn't click, you feel it, you don't, that kind of stuff. And yeah. again, you can come and go in a lot of this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm just kind of conscious of time here, Danielle, and I don't want to kind of um, abuse or take up too much of yours.
1: Yeah, because I'm actually going to have to run to pick up my daughter soon. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's totally fine. Well, in that case, maybe we should wrap things up here. Um, and just before we do, are you able to share a little bit about your work just so I could kind of spread it out there? I know you've got the Drunkest Taoist, the Drunken Taoist, and the, um, the History on Fire podcast, the one I mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, podcasting-wise, I have two podcasts. One that's more chatty, interviews, different... You've been running
0: that one for like 10 years or something, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. drunk Taoist has been going on since like 2012. So it's been a while, yeah. And then uh, History on Fire, I started, I think, it was 2015. That one is very different. That one is more thematic. It's like I just do a deep dive through history. It's just a one-person podcast. It's me essentially narrating a story hopefully in an entertaining enough way, but it's just doing a deep historical dive into different topics and each episode or each series will follow a topic from beginning to end. And then I'll hop into a different one. So that's, um, those are the two podcasts that I host. And then, um, yeah, I've written a few books. I teach college, that kind of stuff.
0: What are the books? Sorry. What are they on just quickly?
1: So I did the first one I did was called On the Warrior's Path, and that's uh, philosophy and martial arts. Um, Then I did a couple about religion, the main one being create your own religion, which is kind of like an approach of, uh, um, out of all the answers that exist out there, sort of a process of picking out the ones that work for you, but that doesn't mean you have to buy the whole tradition from A to Z with all the baggage and the crap that goes with it and essentially coming up with your own answers to the great questions of life that we all deal with. Uh, And then I did one, uh, the latest one was a more, I mean, it's not exactly, it isn't isn't autobiographical in the sense that it's not like, hey, this is my life I was born in, it's more, it's thematic, it starts, it's about dealing with fear a lot, but in uh, rather than in abstract terms, it's very much uh, related to specifics of my life both through martial arts, then dealing with a lot of like heavy stuff happening, tragedies and so on, and how, and how some of these things, how I played with them. I hesitate to say it's like how I was able to transcend because I was able and I wasn't, you know, I did some stuff great. I did some stuff not great. And it's sort of, it's kind of a look on, uh, it really deals with some of this theme of uh, sort of leave my own experience in dealing with uh, extremely heavy things
0: what a healthy process to write that into a book
1: yeah i mean i guess it's healthy i'm not sure because sometimes you know you're you put some stuff a little out of your mind and you dive deep again and it kind of reopens a lot of stuff so you're like oh that hard you don't think
0: that's healthy to do that though
1: yeah maybe. I, I, it's, a, it's a hard one because on one end, yeah, it's very likely that it is. On the other hand, sometimes some doors are closed for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's even that is a wisdom to know when it's good to open them because you think they are closed but they really they are working on the inside on you all the time and you actually should shine some light. And when instead it's like, no, you moved on. Now you're just torturing yourself, you know? And I think both are real. Oh, it's yeah, it's that not makes a sense. kind of thing. It's uh, case by case is different.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for sharing today. And thanks for, thanks for having a chat with me. I do appreciate it. And um, thanks for the chat last night as well. It was really good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, have a good one. Thank All you. Right,
0: you too. Have a good one, mate. Oh. <sighs> Thank you so much for sharing your presence with me and for coming on this journey. If you're interested in working one-on-one with me, head over to todaydreamer.com to see what I may have on offer. And if you're interested at all in checking out some of the other videos, head over to youtube.com forward slash todaydreamer where there'll be more content uh, around cultivating the practice of presence in order to more fully contribute or participate in the blossoming of the emergent world story together. Catch you in the next episode and be well.